you and I had an experience, Taryn, with me experimenting with this piece around disappointing others in a personal sense and how guys, challenging guys, she this disappointed was. me. She chose me to experiment on. <laughs> Listeners, did you hear that? <laughs> It's like, why the fuck are you trying this on me? (laughs) Carry on with your story. Welcome to The Oyster Sisters, a podcast about loving our wobbly bits, growing through life's grit and learning from the pearls that are worth treasuring. We're here to unleash an ocean of love and we're so glad you're swimming with us. Welcome to The Oyster Sisters. I'm Taryn Brumford. I'm Gemma Munro. And I'm Mia Hanchen. And in this episode, we'll be wading into a conversation about lifting our power, authenticity and energy by releasing the need to please. We'll share our wobbly bits, the ups and downs we've experienced as we continue to learn to not please others (laughs) over being ourselves. And as always, we'll end with three pearls of wisdom that we've gathered as we've tripped and stumbled through this beautiful and hard thing we call life. Mm. So if you've listened to our podcast introduction, you'll have heard a bit about why we've chosen to call ourselves the Oyster Sisters, which is a strange name given that almost 50% of the population can't stand the things, including Taryn Brumford here. Gross. (laughs) (laughs) But it's this aversion that makes a really marvellous metaphorical point about an important truth that the three of us have spent a lifetime trying to digest. And that is human beings are just like oysters and, and we won't please all the people all the time. We think it's about time that we women in particular swallowed this wanting to be liked by everybody and keep everyone happy wobbly bit. So do you remember being encouraged as a little girl to smile? Yeah. Yeah, yeah toe the, the line. Make people feel comfortable. Mm. Mm. Be nice. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. Not hurt anyone else's feelings. Yeah, and always think of others' feelings. Otherwise you're selfish. Mm. I think we saw a lot of that modelled to us mm. by the women around us in particular, you know, thinking about their the messages that they were given about their worth and the extent to which their worth was related to being able to please other people and make other people happy. And I think we picked that up to some extent. I know I did. I know that each of us in our own ways have sort of struggled with this one and um, I know that it's been a big depleter of my energy. I'm really curious about how we've each grappled with you know, this myth that we're responsible for everybody else's feelings, which are ultimately things we can't control, that's a really bizarre thing, isn't it, when you actually think about it? We can't make anybody else feel anything and yet we live our lives trying to change the way people feel, trying to please them so that they're happier. How's this impacted you? And, Gem, I think you might have had a recent experience of even though you've gone a long way down the path of resolving this within yourself, this pattern of pleasing, Mm. that there was an experience that you had when we were approaching recording these podcasts. Yeah, I, I, it's not that I hid how crap I was feeling from you. Like we, we talk a lot and we share so much between the three of us about 
where we're at. But as, a, as we were coming up to this recording date that we'd had in the calendar for ages and we were all so excited by it, I had basically been on the couch for pretty much three weeks and not able to, to really get up. I'd had pins and needles everywhere. I was having blood tests and MRIs and all that. And one morning before we recorded, I was actually just crying uncontrollably. And I was saying to my beautiful fiance, Ben, I was like, there's nothing wrong, but I can't stop crying. And I didn't want to tell you two because I didn't want to let us down. I didn't want to let us as a threesome down. I didn't want to let you two as my dear friends down. I didn't want to let me down. Like I was at the point where I was like, I'm sick of this health stuff. I just want to get out there and do the stuff I'm meant to do. And it wasn't, I think in the end, I was feeling so terrible that I knew I would do the podcast a disservice. And I had to get to that point where I went, I just don't know about this. And even then you two had to say, Jem, <laughs> do you really think you're up for this? And it was only when you called me Mia and I just answered the phone in tears. I was mm. like, okay, do you know what? I think I haven't really been even honest with myself about how terrible I'm feeling. And I think we are taught not just to make sure everyone else is feeling happy. We're taught to keep the waves calm. We're taught to not rock any boat. It's like, let's just make sure everything's okay. And I see so many, and I was in a relationship like this, I think you two may have been, I've certainly got friends who who were, where the woman's role in that relationship was to look out for the waves being rocked and quickly smooth them mm. and, and, and facilitate comfort and pleasure and everything's okay for everyone and it's exhausting and I think it takes a lot of conscious effort to go, do you know what? No, I don't, not only do I want to stop smoothing the waves, I actually want to make some waves. That's that's such a great reframe, isn't it, on, you know, the opportunity that we have when we can see that actually it's it's not all up to us. That's it. <laughs> How freeing does that feel? That's it. Like it's like a massive, like, oh, I don't have to be responsible to keep all the things okay. That shit can hit the fan. And it's not all and on me. And it's not all on me. And so many women I've talked to in, in my work feel like these puppeteers and every element of their life, they are controlling, like that moves there and that moves there and that moves there. It's like, do you know what? People can pick up their own puppets of their own lives and sort those out. We actually need to go, well, what do I want in this situation? Mm. Mm. I remember this just the other night. I had dinner with the kids, so my three kids and my eldest girlfriend, mm. and we sat down in a Chinese restaurant and no one was talking and I'm always the one filling the gaps. I just, I'm always that person just trying mm. to be, make everyone feel comfortable. And then I was mm. like, no, yeah. I'm paying for dinner. <laughs> These are my dumplings. I need them. <laughs> right. I need to relax as well. And I just took a step back and it was really, I was in so much discomfort mm. to have a void. And then the void was filled. Yeah. And I felt like, oh, okay, I'm not having to please all of you guys by asking all the questions. I mean, I, you know, of course I engaged, but I also took myself out of a situation that I'm always about trying to make everyone else feel okay and feel comfortable. Mm, it's mm. like women have been told, we've been told that we need to be the social lubricant. So mm. make everything easy. And I still remember in my 20s watching myself talk to mid-40s leaders, often male, and I was watching myself smile and look interested even when they were spouting shit, you know. It's like, <laughs> oh, but let's not make anyone feel uncomfortable. Let's not call a spade a spade. And I, I think 
there there is something about where we're at in our stage of life. I know for me, I have so fewer fucks to give. Like it's gone. To I knew you were about to say that before you? you said it. Yep. Because that's what I was feeling. Yeah. I should say fewer fucks. I have fewer and it's, I, it's almost zero. I have almost zero fucks to give. But it takes a while to get to that point. And I, I think if we can open up the conversation, it's like why are we giving so many fucks that aren't ours to give early on in our lives and why do we have to go through so much shit to the point where that's when we have no fucks to give anymore, where we have to reach midlife before we go, do you know what? I'm not going to fill the conversation here. Mm. I'm not going to smile and look interested when I'm actually not interested. I think there's a a tussle for so many of us though still in, you know, there's this fear of missing out piece, you know, but there's also photo fear of disappointing others. And so, oh, you know, we get, we get still caught up, even though we know that actually there's another way we can still get tripped up and trapped in that old pattern because it is so deeply kind of wired into us and it's part of our, I think, our, you know, our hardwiring, isn't it, to be looking out for the threats and the, mm. the both social and otherwise and that part of our brain that goes to look for any discomfort or displeasure in others to try and smooth the waters, as you were saying earlier. Mm. And so how do we kind of hold on to ourselves and soothe ourselves in those moments where we notice that fear of disappointing others surface? What what works? What works for you? What works for you, Tess? Yeah, I think it's just recognising and having these types of conversations with others and making it a thing, like it's a thing. Mm. And when you know something's a thing, you don't have to engage in it. You don't have to feel bad for it. Mm. And I think that's the power, I guess, of the friendship that I've had with both of you in terms of watching you have boundaries around pleasing everybody else and taking yourself out of the arena that you don't have to do that. And I see the joy that it brings you. Um, Gemma, years ago when you were saying about coffees with people, I get it all the time too. If I wants to have a coffee, I'm like, it's time for a coffee. But anyway, like, to catch up, let's have a coffee and catch up. And it's such a thing that everyone says. And I remember you saying, no, I don't even get to have time to have coffee with my best friends. How did you, but then what did you offer them instead of a coffee? I didn't. And that's the hard mm. thing is is speaking your truth, but kindly and compassionately. And then that, because it's when you say the no, you then want to fill it afterwards. Like, no, but I could do this and this and this and this. You know, it's like, I can't just give you nothing. I have yeah. to give something of myself. So I actually think and I still feel uncomfortable. Someone asked me to be on their podcast the other day and I think they they literally have two listeners and I just, you know, it's like how do I not make this person feel awful by saying no? But I think what I've learned to do and it still bites me sometimes is just feel that discomfort and go, it's okay. Mm. Like we are allowed to say no. We're allowed to say, I'm not going to give everything of myself. Mm. But those two two examples that you've just given, mm. one is professional and you can actually justify. Yeah. Look, come, you know, when you've got a few more listeners, you know, that it's a return on investment almost conversation that you can make sound lovely. Mm. But when you're letting someone down and disappointing them and there's an emotional attachment oh. to someone wanting some of your time to have a coffee. Yeah. 
I still find it really tricky. Oh, I find it tricky to the point where I, I found emails in my inbox from two years ago that I felt too guilty to say no. So I'm not... Okay, so you're, no, you're saying you're no expert in it, but no. you do it better than I do. So yeah, I still feel that discomfort. Oh, and I think you, you and I had an experience, Taryn, with me experimenting with this piece around disappointing others in a personal sense and how guys, challenging guys, she this disappointed was. me. She chose me to experiment on. <laughs> Listeners, did you hear that? It's <laughs> like, why the fuck are you trying this on me? <laughs> Carry on with your story. <laughs> well, my goodness, I was thinking back to early in my relationship with my current partner, Clinton, and I, you know, I hadn't had a partner for quite some time. And our friendship was also fairly new, Taryn, and, and, and Gem and I had been in friendship for a little bit longer and we had planned, the three of us had planned a weekend away and you were going through a really tough time, Taz, and I, I was aware of that and I was aware that you were just hanging on for that time away. My in the throes of new, new relationship with a with a partner, and his invitation came for a weekend, our first date weekend, and I was faced with the impossible conundrum of disappointing you, letting you down, or disappointing myself. Actually, in this situation, because much as I wanted to be there for you and with you both on that weekend. I really wanted to be with my new lover and to experience that. And so it was an incredibly challenging tussle and I recall a very painful conversation with you mm. in which there was much tears. Yeah. There were <laughs> blubbering pretty, on there both was sides. Ugly tears. Yeah. yeah. And there was some some pretty tough words from mm. from both of us around mm. that. And I I really felt in that moment that we were on the edge of our relationship and and there was it could go two ways it mm. could either go to deepen trust mm. um, because my belief was in your potential to hold on to yourself and soothe yourself in that and i knew that you would be okay and we would be okay ultimately mm. But it could have gone the other way and you mm. could have gone, well, stuff you. Mm. You've let me down. But yeah. the point is that I loved yeah. in hindsight yeah. <laughs> that yeah. you did that because then it allows me to make choices for myself. Yeah. And when confronted with other friendships or other decisions or other experiences in life where mm. I go, oh, I'm going to do something for someone else and it brings me great displeasure, yeah. I question. Yeah. And I remember this. And it also means that you know that my yes is a hell yes. Yeah. When I say no, it's for a very good reason because I've weighed up mm. and I've felt into what what the tensions are between those two possibilities. And I think that is trust building. Mm. And I love Glennon Doyle's uh, quote uh, that every time you're given a choice between disappointing someone else or disappointing yourself, your duty is to disappoint that someone else and that your job throughout your entire life is to disappoint as many people as necessary in order to avoid disappointing yourself. And for me, feeling into the place of of the truth of that 
authentically and understanding the benefit of that in strengthening relationships mm-hmm. has been really, gosh, it's been tough, but it's been important. Mm. And I think the three of us, one of the big, there are a few reasons why our friendship is so strong and why we help each other to grow. And one of those reasons is that we know we will tell the truth with Mm. each other. Mm. And that then Mm. frees up each of us to go, actually, no, I I don't want to do that. Or yes, I do want to do this. Or that's a great suggestion. But actually, I feel really uncomfortable about that. And when you've got that level of honesty, it's like room for expansion and authentic expansion opens up because you can't do that from a place of wobbly lies. Lies is too strong a word, but but wobbly dishonesty. And I know that the big thing for me that's really helped me to disappoint others, mm. and, and it comes from a place of doing this, having to do this a lot to realise that it's true, I've realised that the decisions I make that are in my highest good, mm-hmm. that are moving me yeah. towards love, and I don't necessarily mean relationships, I mean that place of I am being who I am and who I'm meant to be in the world. I'm coming from a place of love, not fear. Every decision I've made from that spot, even when it's disappointed others, has always worked out in the best interest of others. And I think that's actually just how it works. When we make a decision from that place, everyone else involved is going to be uplifted too. And it doesn't mean it's not shit for a while. And I'm thinking of marriages ending here. Mm, You know, God, it's a shit decision. And Mm. you are putting people through hell. And I think about my first marriage and the, the, the courage it takes to leave a situation that's not in the public eye terribly bad. But if I look at it now, putting him through hell, putting our kids through hell, he's now in a beautiful marriage and I'm in a beautiful relationship and we are where we are meant to be because, I mean, it took me two years, but I eventually got to the point where I I made that decision that came from that place of authentic, expanded, powerful love. Love. Mm. Yeah. I didn't tell you I ran into him and his new wife and your kids at Brown Hill Creek just the other day. And it was such a lovely exchange of hi and chatting and meeting and Mm. then it started raining, but it was just, it was beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. And it feels all meant to be. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Conscious that each of us have probably had experiences where we've come crashing into the realization that not everybody likes us. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> and therefore, that we can't actually please all the people all the time. Yeah. I'm oh. curious about you, Miss Australian of the Year, because you've had an interesting time of it this year. Mm. Yeah. I mean, because. At this Well, when it was announced, mm. there was all these people that were like, who is she? And they didn't like me. And I'm like, what? Like that same reaction. <laughs> not because I'm like a narcissist. I'm totally up myself. But I was just like, oh, how could you not? But I tell you what it did for me. It made me think, well, why don't people like me? And how can I change a little bit about who I am so they do like me? What do I need to dial up? What do I need to dial down? These are all oh, the thoughts. Yeah, I know. Thank right? you for sharing. Yeah. Yeah. How do and and how do mm. I please that particular sector of people? And and how do I strike the balance of being me mm-hmm. and playful mm-hmm. and all the things and the color 
With also, I mean business and I'm doing this over here. Like, and I'm terribly serious and I know what I'm talking about. Correct. Yes. And I do. So I could play in that world. Yes. But then I lose my colour. Yeah. And oh. so I, it's a, it's... It's hard, I have to say, but, I mean, you know, just from a practical perspective, one of the best things that I did was just I chose not to read any comments and I took myself off all the media. Like I just haven't read any comments at Mm. all. Mm. And the moment that I took back the power and reminded myself that, well, I'm who I am, I'm going to lead with love, light and generosity. Mm. I know where I'm going. I'm so strong about the vision. We're going to get there. And whoever doesn't want to come along for this fun ride, well, Your whatever. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's, it's, yeah. yeah. And didn't Tim say something about the headlines that you were just like, oh, yeah. It's so funny because Tim mm. is a nurse, right? This whole world is not his world. Yeah. And I was in this media cycle and we were in a hotel room and he reminded me, he goes, Tyron, they're just trying to sell papers with these headlines. Mm. And mm. I was like, Oh, like it was like, mm. what a revelation that mm. I just, I didn't even think that. And yeah, that coupled with, okay, here is a fork in the road. I'm going to make my choice about, mm. do I get caught up in the drama? Do I spend the time wanting everyone to love me? And as you get older in life too, mm. you realise that you actually don't need a whole bunch of people to love you. You mm-hmm. just need to like, you small crew uh, and that's enough. It's actually more than enough. It is. I'd rather have two or three people that just love me all the way than 200 that can like, 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 love, take me or leave me. Yeah. And what I love about what I'm hearing you share here about what actually went on inside you in that moment, the the what is it that I need to do? You know, the truth of it. What what do I need to do to improve myself in the eyes of those others? And I love that your your resolution was to go back to your values, like to to go back to what's really important. And I, I've I've got a confession of my my own to make about what happened for me when I was in that world of politics and dealing with media back in 2007 and I don't think I handled it as as gracefully as you did because I actually denied a part of myself back then to you know smooth over and make myself look in a particular way I had a a business at the time called manner of speaking and using you know a bit of a, a flowery um sort of more spiritual kind of framing around the purpose of my business and I had it on my website when I was a political candidate in 2007 and I I, you know, was putting myself out there clearly and, and you know, the individuals on my opponent's campaign team scoured everything to find whatever they could to take me down because this is what happens in politics, right? And so apparently, you know, they pulled out a couple of words from my website and then labelled me woo-woo and wishy-washy. <laughs> and on hearing that, I took myself down. I literally took my website down Mm. because I was terrified that I wouldn't be politically palatable if people started to catch on to this idea that actually there was this other side of me or this part of me that in truth is actually quite spiritual Mm. and that this, this part of me wasn't politically palatable. So I, I really took myself down and out in that situation. And I've learned the hard way since that, 
actually sacrificing or compromising myself and what I stand for is too much to bear. Mm. Thanks for sharing that. Mm. Mm. I, I, a memory just came to mind of when I was in management consulting and I was given this feedback that I was too passionate when I spoke in mm. front of groups to be taken seriously. Mm. And I did what you did, which is I tried to hammer that passion out of myself. And it took a good six months of me feeling so exhausted rocking up other than who I actually am for me to go, hang on, I'm actually not too passionate to speak. I am too passionate for this workplace. And so I I started my own business and started ironically speaking about passion. Mm. But something helped me at the time, which was someone said to me, 9% of people are just going to not like you. They're going to think you're full of shit. Mm. Mm. And I went, hang on. (laughs) If 9% of people are actually just, no matter what you do, Mm -hmm. they are not going to dig you. Mm. You are not going to be their cup of tea. Mm. Then if you're not displeasing 9% of people, you're playing it way too safe. Mm. And I, I actually really admire the people who have made splashes in the world and they've got people, I'm thinking Barack Obama, have people who can't, how, how can anyone not stand Barack Obama in my eyes? Mm. But they're just like, this is who I am. There are going to be people who abhor me. And if I'm not being who I am, I cannot be powerful. Mm. And so this 9%, whatever it is, that actually doesn't matter. Mm. It actually doesn't matter. Hey, should we talk about some pearls of wisdom from each of us? Mm. Mia, what's yours? Well, I think experimenting with saying no, try on this idea that actually in safe places that figuring out what your heart's desire is, so asking what would please you in that situation and what what does your heart desire because our heads will tell us that often, you know, that we should be doing something, but what do we really want and what's the values aligned? Like what, what What's important to us in this situation and how can we strike a balance between giving to others and giving to ourselves, being true to ourselves? So experiment with saying no a bit more. Mm. Love it, Jen. Mine would go on from that. So once you've worked out what it is that pleases you, tell the truth, tell the truth, tell the truth. So whatever comes out of your mouth, let it actually speak to who you are, what it is you want, but do it kindly. You don't have to be an asshole. You know, mm. you, you can do it with compassion and love for other people. Um, and like I said before, it's it's telling the truth that then has allowed our friendship to blossom and us as individuals to grow. How about you, Taz? Yeah, so I've come up with a name for it because I like to name things and then I know what I'm doing and it's like, ha, huh, leasing. Get it? Pleasing. So by naming it and reflecting on it and reflecting the occasions when we're saying yes to something when we should have said no to it, we're like, ah, I'm pleasing again and I'm not going to do that in future. And I think calling it out, reflecting, recognising, it allows us to take a different action next time. I think we might leave it there today beautiful listeners if you know someone who could benefit from hearing this conversation please say it forward make sure all your friends hear about it we'd love them to swim with us too 